It's me, Sean Caprine. Welcome to We the Gamer Cast. It publishes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play every Monday, but patrons get it first. Thank you guys for subscribing and rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and wherever you're sending your ratings. I appreciate it. It helps rate me just slightly higher than I was yesterday, and that's all we can ask for in life. And guys, holy crap, another week and we're here. And if you're new, here's the deal. Every week I have sweet hangs with a stranger from the internet. And we talk about life and video games. And if you want to be on the show, it's pretty easy. You just got to tweet at me at Sean Capri. Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants. And guys, it's a, it's been a week. Can I just be completely honest with you guys? There's been, it's been a while since I streamed. Um, but a couple of highlights I would like to draw your attention to because it's been a heavy week. I've been a little drained on the energy side, but a couple of things that have been fueling my tank. Number one, I was on the trophy room, a PlayStation podcast with Mr. Badbit and Kyle Stevenson. And what a, it's actually, I know like the, people think that I'm joking when I say this sort of thing, but it's like, it's actually surreal to just be like, just be asked on to the podcast. Like that's kind of why I wanted to do this show. Cause it just wanted to provide that opportunity to people to just like have a chance to be on a show. Maybe they hadn't been on a show before or whatever. And um, I think that's the case this time, Brent, I actually don't even know if this was your first time on a podcast, in which case Brent, Brent Robinson, guys, you are in for a freaking treat. Um, but it is never lost on me that whenever I get to guest on another show, like that's a, that's a real privilege. That's a real honor. And I absolutely love the trophy room. I listened to it first um, when it launches on Thursdays, which is the same day as the Xbox drive. So it's a great pairing. If you guys haven't subscribed to either or you should subscribe to both. Uh, of course, the Xbox drive, my show, the PlayStation podcast, Joe's show and Kyle. And um, it's just great that we kind of have this like mutual love and respect for one another's platform and each other's show. And I'm basically at this point plotting to take over. I would like to go back onto the trophy room. So guys, definitely check that out. Um, we also did a whole bunch of stuff over on the Xbox drive. We re- we recorded a review discussion of Gears Tactics on an episode of The Extra Mile. And I feel... Like we had a great conversation. I think we really fleshed out what the heck to expect with Gears Tactics. And I know some of you guys are just dipping your toes into it over there on, on the PC. So let me know, guys. Um, I would love to know what you guys are thinking of, of, of Gears Tactics and also Streets of Rage dropped today and Streets of Rage 4 and a whole bunch of stuff is happening. Video game news, video game stuff is, is ramping back up, dude. As I record this, um, the, the Series X reveal event, the games, the, the whole like May 7th thing that's happening. Um, very, very exciting global partners. I'm very stoked about that. Assassin's Creed, Valhalla. Oh my goodness gracious. You guys, I am it. What a time to be alive. We're all stuck inside and most of this stuff sucks, <laughs> but there's, there are, there are highlights and it's worth noting. And I would love to know if you guys have something that um is is standing out for you they're just like wow this is awesome hit me up on twitter man let's let's lift one one another up and let's let's get through this together because I, I i could go on and on about all the stuff that's bringing us down but it's important to go what's bringing us up man what games are you playing that you're that are pumping you up what are you doing to, to stick through this um brent and i are going to get into it a little bit um but guys i don't think that i uh I think I got a little far ahead of myself because I wanted to tell you so much about the trophy room. Um, this show wouldn't happen if it weren't for all 40 some odd people who support Bobby and I at uh, patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. And I want to especially thank our diamond executive producer, Slimer Snarf, and our gold members, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, James Johnson, Joel Brooks, Jonathan Brown, Ryan Turford, Zach Bradshaw. Guys, you know what the amazing thing is actually about all of, all of you guys that I just mentioned? Like, 
not only do you support at such a tremendous level, you all reach out to me individually. You all do it. Um, and many of the, the, the patrons who I, that I don't um, mention, that I didn't mention just now, you guys also reach out and make sure I'm doing okay. You reach out and touch. <laughs> you don't touch each other, I don't think. Uh, two two meters apart, everybody. But you reach out to one another. And we're, it's, it's this great community that we have. And that's something that I'm truly, truly grateful for. So thank you guys for all of your love and your support. Um, the patron support, of course, but even more meaningful is just checking in on one another. I actually need to do that more. So thank you for doing that because it's a reminder to me to do that to those around me as well because it, I know that it helps me and I need to do that uh, for, for people around me. But I don't want to get too too mushy at the start of this. We're going to jump into a an all-Canadian chat, you guys. We're going to go... We're actually going to go on a bit of a road trip here. Uh, last week, we talked with Chelfie. If you missed that episode, well, you're missing out because that was a great chat. Um, but please, guys, you need to be following Okotoks Lawyer on Twitter. Brent Robinson is also a patron, and he's been encouraging me for a long, long time. And I appreciate everything about this guy. He's very, very smart. And I think we could all learn a little something, something from Mr. Brent Robinson. So why don't we just jump into it? Brent Robinson! You know, I had some buddies who weren't maybe the biggest gamers, but in the COVID, they decided they needed to get some golf in. So oh, nice. Up, uh, whatever. I can't remember the name of the golf one is for Xbox. Whatever. What was the thing? The, the Rory McIlroy one? No, it's like the course or something like that, but they've got the PGA Tour now. The first year they got it. Dude, I was literally just... Um, I don't even know why I was... Oh, Chelsea posted a picture of her in front of her computer back in like 1998 or something like that. And I spotted tiger woods 99 like a big box in the back i'm like oh my god i didn't even know tiger woods was out back then like that old yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm like oh i i actually was just that prompted me to go to youtube to go look at some old some old videos of like the tiger woods games thinking like oh they used to look so great and i saw some of the some of the old video that's eh, not not that amazing <laughs> like it's amazing what happens with the memories of how great games look from uh as time goes on do you remember when like the golf games used to like load in like now it like shows up and it's this fully rendered like photorealistic thing of some mm-hmm. golf course that actually exists Remember when they used to like load in it would be like the trees, the would, like, trees all at pop a time in, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> <along>. <laughs> like bottom to up they would like grow up out of the ground in fast motion yeah, this is amazing oh yeah we used to have um like even before like links even which i'm just realizing now that we sort of also named our son after after the, like the, the golf games but yeah, like we used to have like on the computer, we used to have all these old games that had like maybe like 16 colors or something on them. And like the, that pink and that, that teal green, that cyan or whatever, I guess it was. With the one weird background, Chirby Bird. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and everything had like the same, the same uh, mechanic to, to swing, like the two button or the three click swing. So or whatever. Three clicks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Start, back swing, four swing. Well, and that's what I found when I was looking at the, the Tiger Woods video was even that started with like the with that same old like backswing hit at the top and then and then click again and then i'm like oh yeah then they they moved everything on the 360 era to like that that true stick in hockey and in the golf games like everything was you stopped clicking things you stopped pressing buttons and you started using the sticks for everything yeah yeah so your buddies are playing uh playing video games now a couple of them yeah Yeah. i guess some of them already were a little bit but yeah I mean, we picked us from a golf. That's a, the one that I've been doing the most online stuff, I suppose, since it all started. Yeah. My kids have been, of course, playing 
dozens and dozens of hours of Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox and how's that? What's other things, this? What's this honestly, I feel completely out of touch. What is this? What's everybody's talking about Roblox? I don't even know what it is. It, uh, and I'm going to like describe it terribly badly because I, of course, never played it. I've just watched them play it over their shoulders. But it's like a selection of weird little other games and the characters kind of look like Lego people in it. Okay. Whatever they're building. And I think kids can like build like crazy mods and stuff in it. So that's what makes it super fun for them is they can mod these worlds and they go on stuff and yeah. they go away. And I think the, there was probably some YouTubers that were really into it that my kids followed and that's what got them into it too. But, and I think that's what makes it super different fun, right? It's just weird, crazy stuff. It's easy. Yeah. It runs on anything. Like it runs in a web browser on whatever computer you've got. So oh, okay. it's here on anything and away they go and, I don't know. I, I don't understand half the stuff my kids are doing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I understand Fortnite. I've played Fortnite with them, and I'm like, okay, I died again. That was great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to build something. This is not, I don't understand. I shoot it, people. I run away. I hide. It reminds don't, me of, uh, but it reminds me of like like Star Fox on the 64 had two levels. I often talk about how like two levels and one of them was good. And we played the absolute crap out of Starcraft or Star Star Fox 64. Um, if I said Starcraft, I meant Star Fox. And Goldeneye had like a couple levels, like, and it was even like if you had four players playing Goldeneye, it had even fewer levels. You couldn't do, I don't think, like every single level on Goldeneye with with all four players. Oh I no, there's only so many maps, right? Temple right. and laboratory, and mm-hmm. then some of them were like the same map, but like attached to another one. And you're right? Like, what the hell? like, and you just didn't even really ask questions about it. But like, I, okay, so when you're talking about your kids watching these YouTubers, I I feel like Lincoln is already on that path, but he doesn't know. Um, he doesn't know that there can be a personality behind it. Like he specifically asked for like no commentary when he watches like playthrough and stuff. He'll, he'll yell at the Google and, uh, he'll say no commentary, but I'm realizing in this moment how like locked in to YouTube gameplay he is and how like, that's going to be, that's going to be his lifestyle is watching YouTubers play video games and walking through whatever game he's into. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a blessing. If he's turning the sound off, you're already 90% ahead of the game, in my view. But, um, <laughs> it's so different. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's a little my old man or whatever, Sean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't watch, like, a lot of that stuff. And I can't watch it for very long. And I don't mm-hmm. find entertaining. And I don't find streamers and stuff. as more, like, sometimes it's entertaining. But mostly it's, like, when I have time that I've... I'm going to be like having my face in a screen that I can't interact with something else is a time that I want to play the stuff that I want to play. Big time, big time. So it's like, I, I don't have time to like sit and watch other people play video games and my mm-hmm. kids will sit there and watch for hours and the guy is screaming at him all this. Nother, oh my God, the guy showed me again. Can you believe it? And he's jumping up. And I'm like, why does he stop? Like, does he not get hoarse? I've just watched this guy yell at you for 20 minutes. Why have, is this fun? I love it. I, I have get, to. I have to ask. When you were a kid, what were the things that you were doing that your parents are like? I just don't get it, man. What is Brenton do, man? What is yeah? He, playing what is video games. For? I was certainly one for sure. My mm-hmm. parents that used to drive bananas. Yeah. Um, they think it was TV dangerous. Did they think it was like 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 you're gonna get it? addiction? Was a big thing for like my parents. Actually, it was like they were really worried about like drugs and video games. <laughs> like, don't get addicted. Oh yeah. Well, like they were the uh, same. It, Definitely no drugs and smoking. So my parents are definitely way down on that stuff. But um, oh, I just mean that they they basically equated the two things. Oh, they were like, yeah. yes, crack cocaine and 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 the NES. No, definitely not. Both were were equally dangerous to them. 
<laughs> I don't think my parents were quite that odd. They just they just sort of, they just don't understand it all. They think it's a total waste of time. Like you could be washing the floors or mowing the lawn or building a deck or four thousand other things you could deck. be doing in the entire world. And it's like <laughs> I don't want to do any of those. And really, will it matter in fifty years whether I did or played video games for two mm-hmm. hours tonight? What were you playing when you were a kid? Uh, like the first video games I ever had when I was a kid was Commodore 64. Yep. We had a game called Gorf. You ever played Gorf? No, I don't think so. I almost want to look it, this up. It's like a space invader type thing where you get like the stupid aliens going across the top and you're there's a ship at the bottom and you're shooting stuff. And I remember yeah. like I, pl- I played it probably way too many hours into this stupid game, but like every time you'd pass a level, it would like go up in rank, right? Like you're like Gorf cadet, Gorf lieutenant gorf commander gorf master whatever yeah and i like would keep playing and playing and playing and i got to like gorf excellent imperial emperor or whatever and then i beat it and it wrapped back to like gorf cadet again and i'm feeling so hollow like that is all there is to this game. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the best gorf player in the world does it go like congratulations you defeated the gorf army nothing it's like nope they hadn't Play even again. developed like the thank you for playing screen just yet. Like not even not even that. No, it's no, just that's it. that. Gorf. Yeah, I had never I even heard NES. of that before. And what was that? And then I had NES after that. I actually mm-hmm. uh, I uh broke my leg when I was ten years old. Like broke my femur. Like playing hockey? Uh no, jumping off a swing of all things. No, wait, my brother broke his arm Doing jumping off a swing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's dangerous it's stuff, big... man. You don't jump off a swing. You're probably getting right up there. Well, we were all doing it. but <laughs> Everybody just, jumped uh, off missed. swings. I missed. And actually, I had a I had a cyst in my leg. So it was kind of a bit of an inevitability at some point. Whatever, so something was going to happen that was going to mm-hmm. break it. So it was kind of a little bit of a blessing in disguise. But anyway, so I had Where to go. Where in the leg? Like your femur? Yeah, yeah. Totally. No right in the middle. way. <gasps> yeah. And this is 1989. So... Um, my doctor was some crotchety old dude who was awesome what he did. <laughs> yeah. But I don't I don't know how much you know this stuff. But right around that time, they developed like a system where they'd like basically put pins above and below it and then put you in like a big brace to hold it steady because they yeah. can't really cast that. And this dude was like, I don't believe in that. So it was like traction for you, kid. Um, so six weeks in traction in the hospital. Um, what is that? Sorry, I should probably know what traction means. What is what like so, you're, you're yeah, they up? put a Yeah, yeah. They put a pin through like below my knee and then put a weight that hangs from the bed to like yeah. pull the bone just apart a little bit. Yeah. And then that's attached to that bolt. That's basically like pulling your leg just a little bit on the bed. And Does you just it hurt? get away there. Uh, I don't remember it feeling like it hurts. You literally they, they put just can't move. In it. <laughs> Cause they literally like screw a bolt through your bone. My God. That shin. is like the most hardcore thing ever. And yeah, like when it happens it. to somebody else, you're like, oh, my God. And then what happens to you, you're like, I mean, it's asleep when they put it in there. And then after that, you yeah. probably sore for a little bit. And then. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. So that's traction. Yeah. So you're you're laid up in bed. You're 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 literally bolted to a bed, essentially. Yeah. And then um, I mean, then you get the the lovely parts of that are that you get, you know, you have like a bedpan. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. I have to have like the nurse come in and like take care of you sometimes because you're horizontal for too long, you get like some incontinent stuff. That was super pleasant. Sweet. Get the old catheter. Yeah. Uh, you get some like constipation and they're doing like suppositories and stuff. Wow. Super fun. And you're 10 years old at this point. Yeah. So yeah. you're just wanting to go like run around and do, and be a kid. 
Like, are you yeah. in a hospital? Like when they bolt you? Like, yeah, when... Rocky View Hospital in Calgary. No way. How long? You're yeah. like you're probably over there like over a month. Oh, six weeks. Like I broke it. Probably oh God! I, I didn't go back to school that year. Holy cow! But were you able to get games in the hospital? Yeah. So that my dad's um, slow pitch team bound together and bought me an NES. Come on. And uh, that was the first NES I got. So it's kind um, of a blessing in disguise. So like, obviously like all the stuff that like, like the bit pan and everything, that's no good. But like, that's all the bad bits. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of like, what was the first game? Uh, well, Marion Duck Hunt. Those came with it. It was that, that black box. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I got like, I was super into Top Gun when I was a kid. Oh Um, yes. The Top Gun game. I love it. Totally got the Top Gun game. That was Mm -hmm. super fun. Um, there was like a, a light gun (laughs) game called like gotcha or something like that with, paintball did you ever play that when you were i don't think so it was like a paintball light gun game right so so the other thing is like i had this nes but i was only allowed the tv like there was like one communal tv for the floor oh yeah so i only got like the tv in my room for like an hour a night or whatever so you only had so much time yeah no kidding Um, but they'd bring it in i'd hook up my nintendo i'd play my hour and they'd have to wheel to the next kid that's how that's actually reminds me of like the old classroom TV that they'd wheel in when you know it's going to be a good day. Like the VCR is connected to it and everything. Like same idea, same trade, everything. It was totally that machine. Like yeah. just maybe it mounted a bit higher, but exactly the same thing. Oh, You're my. exactly picturing. Did that basically like lock you in for like the rest of your life that, that gaming was a thing, or did you kind of have like a lot of people kind of have that like period where you go mm, maybe I'll do something else for a little bit. I'll, I'll walk away from these games for a while. Like I never. I never specifically said I didn't want to play video games, but it kind of just changed. So, like, I never ended up getting a Super Nintendo. A, my parents had no interest in that. Yeah. And, um, I had a Game Boy for a while after my Game Nintendo. But, oh, I love it. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Did, did you ever play Mortal Kombat on Game Boy? Oh, my God, yes. It's so bad. Foot sweep. Foot sweep. <laughs> so foot good. Sweep, but so sweep. good. Dude, great. all the all the like main mainline games that you had on Game Boy were just like they had to have one. They had to have a Game Boy version of it, but they were so they're terrible, honestly. Yeah. In so many cases, they're so bad. Yeah. So I had Game Boy, and then um, and then what I actually got into, I remember, was PC gaming. Like mm-hmm. we had all kinds of PC. I know like, there were so many weird like little PC games when we were kids. Like they'd load them up on three and a half inch floppies and nonsense. And mm-hmm. like, did you ever play like Commander Keen? Commander Keen, yes, dude. All of them. They had like fourteen of those damn games. Yeah, so I remember playing lots of weird stuff like that until I got to high school, and then got like Doom, Wolfenstein, Warcraft Two. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't it amazing? Like we all ended up with those games. Like how did we? There was no internet. There was no anything that goes like, hey, you should play this. But somehow they all just sort of like landed on our computer somehow i don't really i don't really understand especially like even pre warcraft 2 but warcraft 2 was like one of the first ones where i realized like everybody's playing this one that was that was one of the first games on on pc anyways because everything everybody had the exact same nes games everybody had mario and everything and then every once in a while you go over somebody's house and they're playing on their computer like oh you have command and conquer as well like what the heck how is this so popular yeah, Command and Conquer is never one I got into, but my I brother remember, was into it big time. I remember for me, it would have been like Doom would have been the first one that you were like in high school and you'd go to your buddy's house or something. He's like, "Oh, you got to check this game out." It's like, mm-hmm. "What is it?" 
that's doom what is that i don't know you shoot a bunch of crazy aliens and they're coming out of mars and you're like what he's like watch you get this chainsaw you chop the chainsaw was thing the thing I, I i literally can remember my my neighbor telling me about the chainsaw that you get in this game and then my mom overhearing like oh there's no way you're playing this game and of course you find ways to play all the games you're not supposed to be playing you know later on the grand theft autos and I think about that a lot, Brent, actually. I think about, um, like, with Lincoln growing up, and he's obviously into games, but it's like, at what, like, I was playing Doom way before you should have been playing Doom, and Wolfenstein, I keep talking about, like, you're literally stabbing a German shepherd in the face. Like, you talk about, like, Nazis and everything, deserving it and whatever, but you're literally, like, he kind of whimpers, he does a, like, dog whimper, and you're, he's a bloody mess, you're eating chicken to get your, your health back up and everything. Like, Wolfenstein uh, is outrageous. <laughs> It's hey, actually dog you had to eat dog food to heal. Seriously, that game when you really break it down, like the elements about because we just it was just what you played. You just fired it up on the computer and and it literally just like went right into the game. Like he's got that that weird not really music. Yeah, you know what the ultimate PC game we weren't supposed to be playing when we were the right age was. Oh, Legion um, Larry, yes, yeah, oh, Larry, because I um you had to you had to answer questions. To yep. prove that you were 18 years old. Yeah. Who was is, who is Richard Nixon's vice president who got impeached before him? Like, who Good was questions. the star of Dallas? I mean, crazy mm-hmm. nonsense that nobody Amazing you remember and, that. Holy cow. And, and like, we had like a little chichi, like somebody, I don't even know where we got it from, but somebody had like printed out the answers to the questions, mm-hmm. like on like a photocopy that had been photocopied a thousand times. It was so blurry. And you had found it and you'd get in. It's like, oh, somebody says you have to you have to ask for a lover. Yeah, lover. <laughs> That's the thing. When you like, when you what? finally get into the game, it's not like you don't even know what you're looking for. You just know that you're not supposed to be playing this game anyway. At least that was for me. I didn't know what like what sex was. Oh, like no. I was, I was that young. Well, and it's like you get into it and there's n- there there like I, I remember the like the, the, the censored box like squishing up and down. Like it looked yep. like he, he finally was able to do a thing and it was like this horizontal boxing sensor and it would move up and down. It was terrible. Do you remember do you remember when you if you ever slept with a prostitute without using the prophylactic, what happened? No. Yeah, you you'd get the V D and like, you'd be walking down the street, it's like you suddenly have this strange itching burning feeling. And then there's just like this crazy like pixelated mass that came out of like his crotch. Like, passed out and died. What a t- what a time that we lived in, you know, we grew oh. up with. With that being I yeah. mean, between that and like Duke Nukem, they're just some pretty oh, yeah. pretty oh. raunchy stuff, you know what I mean? And then it's like you're just trying to see what you could get away with. And like, I don't even know if there's an, if anybody has an appetite for any of that anymore. Cause it's not even like, I don't know that anybody's looking at that going like, Oh, like the movie's getting the rocks off to that. It was just weird and silly and strange, but yeah, that, it was just silly and strange. I think yeah. that's right. And so, I mean, yeah, you worry about that with your kids a little bit. A little, I mean, like I, it's just, I just don't want to be a hypocrite about it, I guess. Right. Because yeah. I'm, and the argument can always be made like, well, the graphics are like way more realistic now. So you got to be worried about that. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like they were realistic to me. Like that was the and and it was just in a different way because you hadn't seen when you're playing Wolfenstein and Doom, first person anything was not a thing. Like that was you living, like seeing through the eyes of of a murderer, basically. Like that yeah. was that was the kind of like the the paradigm shift for us. Instead, yeah, of- especially because before that, I mean, before Wolfenstein, I mean, 
like I don't like trying to picture like those 16-bit Super NES games or anything like that. I mean, Super C. I mean, you shoot a bunch of weird things bouncing around the screen. It's all just mm-hmm. a puzzle, basically. Um, it's the first person of you you holding a gun and firing it at people. And yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, there's something like very very violent about that, and I think like Chelsea's less conflicted about it. She's she's definitely on the side of like, well, just he's just gonna play games, like even as at this early. Um, but I don't know. I still don't know at what point do you go, okay, Fortnite, yes, Call of Duty, no. Because I feel like Call of Duty's also been around long enough that, like, I played that. Maybe not necessarily Call of Duty, but, I mean, even even Goldeneye was pretty violent for what it was for, for the age that a lot of us were. But, yeah, it's tough to know when do you go, okay, yeah, this game. Aside from maybe 18, be mature to play the mature games. I don't know if that I necessarily subscribe to that either because that's almost, that's almost too late. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's super tricky. So, I mean, my kids are older than your kids, right? I've got mm-hmm. like 15, 13, 11. Yeah. Um, so we're right in it. They're in and, it. And, you know, I, I try to be a little bit cautious about stuff, but, you know, it's hard too, especially, especially frankly, right now. Like, yeah, I I've never bought my kids caught or any of that sort of stuff. And they're pretty, I don't know, responsible or reliable or trustworthy. I want to characterize it. Like they would never, I, I think it would pretty unusual for them to go like buy something like that without coming to us first mm-hmm. um but uh you know a bunch of my son's buddies from us across were playing call of duty yeah and i was like well do you want call of duty to play like uh, it, it's just shooting stuff it's no different than fortnite except for just it's a little more real looking like if you want to play it all and he's like nah i'm not really interested dad so yeah i was like well fair enough and like my 15 year old daughter she um she's in all kinds of weird nonsense that's not video games. <laughs> right? She's read 40,000 pages of teen romance I love stuff, it. which I know has God only knows what kind of graphic vampire sex in it. Come on. But, no way. <laughs> well, I mean, I've Does read Twilight. Really? <laughs> I never read Twilight. Does oh, it really have that? Oh, the, the first Twilight book doesn't because the gals was like a virgin right till the end of the book. But okay. The, Dude, I had the, no idea this was in the books. Yeah, in the at the start of either I think it's at the very start of the last book, she gets married to the vampire dude. She gets converted after she almost dies having the vampire baby. Yeah, and then they have like <laughs> crazy vampire sex and wreck the cabin and stuff. And it's not super graphic, but like you know, I could feel the heat of passion. Yeah, you can see in it in words. Like, it's oh a little my different. God, oh no so, way, dude. Okay, this this actually like explains a lot because you know once once it became a movie and everything like you could see like these are good looking people they're putting beautiful people to star in the movies but as a book you're like how did this how did this take off this is like me just being in my bubble about everything that i had no idea that it was basically like 50 shades of gray but with like sexy vampires instead yeah i mean it's it's definitely less teens. graphic but it's super you know i could see his chest heaving as he felt desire for me and then but the gals all like but i wouldn't ever do that with him because he was too oh it's so awkward in words okay (laughs) you know (laughs) so anyway my daughter's reading like all this teen stuff so you know like she talks about it but not the detailed stuff yeah that way it's well it's about this love story between this like wood nymph and this werewolf half breed you're like okay 
Well, something that I definitely, and Chelsea and I talk about this a lot, where, like, we're into games, we're into all the things, and people often look at, like, now my background here when I'm on, like, Skype calls at work, and they're like, oh, your kids' toys are cool. I'm like, yep, totally. (laughs) My kids' toys, mm mm-hmm. They organize them like this, uh uh-huh, very meticulously, all the way up, six feet up, right? Um, And so, like, we're into the games, but we're into the games that we grew up with, and we're into the games that, like, come out now. And, like, it's a different on-ramp for kids when they first start out. And they, like, everybody says, like, your kids will be into things that are different than you are. They'll be different than what you expect. And uh, even if they're into games, like, they'll be into, like, things like Roblox or they'll be into, like, Minecraft or whatever the next the next thing is going to be. And it's, like, suddenly, even though I'm it's, it's in my wheelhouse, it'll be, like, it'll still be very foreign to me. And like I was reading teen teen stuff when I was like that age too, but it was like totally different. It was like R. It was like Goosebumps, and then R. L. Stein had his kind of like teenage, whatever. I don't even know the 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 line if they had a name to it, but um, it's just it's the same but different. And it's like somehow thirty some odd years gap in between you and where, where your kids are can create this just giant chasm of you have no idea <laughs> what it is, or there not even that you have no idea that. You have no maybe even interest in what that is. Yeah, and I can't tell, like, compared to, for me to my parents, like, I know how that gap felt and how particularly more, like, we'd watch TV, whatever, you'd watch the hockey game, whatever, yeah. you'd listen to the radio, that was all kind of close enough. My parents were a little more into country music, but I was never, like, into super weird music stuff, so... Mm-hmm. That was never an issue, but that, like video games, like my old man has probably never sat down and played a video game for more than 10 minutes Same. his whole life. Yeah. So, you know, that's totally a foreign concept to them in terms of like, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and stuff. Forget that noise. That mm-hmm. was never anything they were into. But like, I watched Star Wars with my old man. I watched Star Wars with my kids. So, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's hard to say like which stuff's going to be the multi generational stuff and which stuff is going to be the, um, Stuff that's not going to carry through or whatever, but you know, my thirteen-year-old son loves Smash Brothers. He kicks my butt at it. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. But, th- thankfully, there are, like you said, that multi. That's that's a good point. Actually, there are certain things that have stood the test of time and actually continue to create new new iterations or whatever. It is. Smash Brothers is an excellent example of that. That's sort of like we. It's the, the the one thing that like we grew up with that they're now making new for for the kids now, and like that didn't really exist really prior to this generation, which is kind of nuts. Yeah, certainly in the video game space, I think that's right. I mean, um, I mean, my kids have all played Breath of the Wild, beat Breath of the Wild. Well, no, my son, oh, did my daughter ever beat it? She might have beat it. She played a bunch of it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. certainly my two boys both beat it, like my 11-year-old and my 13-year-old. What about your uh, wife? She lives with all these gamers. What's going on with her? Candy Crush, Dr. Mario, <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> Dr. Mario. Dude, what is with – it's amazing. My um, Chelsea is – amazing at dr mario oh she destroys me holy it takes crap. me like an hour just to get like close to figuring out what's going on to even get like take one match from her that's so it's funny ridiculous. because i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly justin masson from nintendo dads his wife also very good we've got to have to like we're gonna have to set up some sort of like wives tournament for for dr mario we'll do like an esports yeah. thing we'll do a bracket out of it all and everything we'll have <laughs> we'll have justin masson doing the uh, the commentary for it because he's got a great voice and he's a he's a good showman and all that kind of stuff that'd be amazing to watch actually like while we're all having to uh like we're, we're all missing hockey we're all missing sports and everything and and everybody's turning to esports let's turn it to the esports wives edition dr mario but we're all gonna have to find 
I don't even know. I guess it would be was Doctor Mario on NES the Switch Online? I think it's there. I think we can all play that one and play so that one online against each other. Have multiplayer online? Maybe. I, I'm gonna check it out. I'm I'm definitely picking up my Switch like more and more these days. What are you What are you playing these days? Like, what are you What are you gravitating towards? Um, I just what did I just finish? Oh, I just finished Pokemon. That was my um. Whoa! That was my. Uh, I I was in grad school until April nineteenth or whatever, give or take. Like just like nine days ago. Yeah, I can't I think math that quick. I, that <laughs> I was my last assignment. So I think we finished classes like the week before that. So no I probably way. got it a week before that. Good for you. Yeah. So yeah, wrapped Pokemon. I I I purposefully did not buy it when it came out back in November because like no no I'm not gonna have time to yeah, and I'm gonna not want to be distracted by that. So I so I picked up that. Um, my kids and I. So I bought Civ Six back when it came out. Nice. And then I needed like some sort of just. Like for me, it's like I call it a simple distraction. Civ is a crazy, complicated game, but no kidding, you're obviously your brain's on another level. Well, once you've played it for a while, you kind of get into the rhythm of <laughs> whatever you're doing. But then my kids saw me playing it, and they're like, "Well, can we play?" I'm like, mm, "I don't know. I've never tried actually to play multiplayer Civ." And there's like hot seat mode, which is basically like you know you pass the mouse, That's and awesome. they play their turn. And so we actually have been playing a bunch of Civ, and it's pretty fun actually. No way. Yeah, although. Uh, it's getting a little bit like my 11 year old like has to like read like every description of every unit oh like, yeah every turn you're a bit like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much imagine writing it if like if 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 reading it takes that long imagine writing a game like that like oh. how do you even build something like that it's so complex you have such an appreciation for it yeah and i, I tell my wife it's educational so that helps oh big time big t- i feel like there's a lot i mean growing up and i never really got into like any of the rpgs i just felt like i wasn't smart enough for any of it. it always seemed like smart neighbor matt was uh was doing the rpgs i would just play dumb dumb sports games and and wolfenstein and things like that but uh i definitely think there's an educational element to a game like civ 6 and oh. things where you have to problem solve on the fly and everything like that yeah yeah it's been really good and then, uh, i've got game pass so i've been i did not too long ago i beat um the first new wolfenstein like Wolfenstein New Order, wherever that one was. Yeah, they had some super weird naming conventions with all that stuff. Yeah, what did you think of that was, one? Um, I had to turn down the difficulty. That was the second it's game. Shit, right? That it, well, that it wasn't too too bad to the last boss, and I had to turn down the difficulty to like baby mode. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even care anymore. Um, Everything was know, on fire at the end, it. right? I think I think I remember like there's just either bombs going off or flamethrowers or something, some gas leaks it's, or something like that. Yeah, you're in the basement of some base, and there's like a walker thing, and it's just mm-hmm. gas blowing up everywhere. I was like, I don't even know what's hitting me, and I'm dying anyway. I know that's frustrating. Yeah, so it turned down the difficulty. You know what? The one before that, it turned down the difficulty was Jedi Fallen Order on the last boss. Oh my god, that was so frustrating. No, did doubt. you beat that game? I did. Yeah, I, I don't remember why it was so motivated because normally I bounce off games like a lot, and that game I de- I definitely finished that one. Yeah, I stuck with the hard difficult or the normal difficulty. That's usually my default. Is like I, whatever the developers say is normal. It's usually my game range. Like I'm mm-hmm. not. I don't need to beat stuff on legendary, crazy, impossible mode. Me neither. But but I like to at least try it on the normal difficulty before going down to baby mode. I have and to I, say, I am like I'm a step away. Whatever it is, like I'm I'm almost there to just go like I'm just go easy mode for everything. I'm not quite there, but I'm starting to be sold. A lot of people are talking about that as like a as a nice way to just enjoy the games like you can just play there's no pushback at all and i'm like i kind of get where people are coming from on that one 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I totally get it. I mean, I don't. I, my frustration with games isn't so much even the like difficulty level. Like, I can kind of as long as I feel that I'm learning and making progress and and like getting better at the game, I can kind of hang with it. Yeah. Um, but I just find so much games now, or and they were probably all a little bit like this, but I, I just find them crazy, ridiculously padded. Like, I have no interest yeah. in going doing the four thousand different collectibles and and um doing like and there's just so many things like i've never ever got a platinum in a game never mm-hmm. i've never got like 100 percent. like i beat all 120 shrines in zelda yeah and they I don't give you anything for it. all the dlc <laughs> and that was as good as it got for me like i was That's not pretty good man five thousand like korok seeds like, that is more that. deserving than most most people's most like the majority of people's platinums i, I think there's like a, a my name is mayo or something i've definitely got the platinum on that on, oh. on vita <laughs> and a few others that are uh less than than i'm proud about but Dude, that's hilarious. So, um, you, I want to go back a little bit. You said you just finished grad school. Yeah. What? What for? What? Where are you not? Okay. So your your Twitter is Okotoks Lawyer. Yep. Are you? Were you not a lawyer before? Did you just I, like what's going I, on with this? Story? Um, I'm currently non practicing status. Okay. So what I, does that mean? Yeah. So I I just turned back in my license to the law society, so I had to pay for insurance. Well, I was. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so, I was practicing lawyer till. Give or take May of last year, almost mm-hmm. a year ago. And then I went to grad school. I took up, uh, it's actually technically called a graduate diploma in fundamental data science. Whoa, what the heck is that about? Mm, it's it's like basically R programming and Python programming where you, um, you know, you're working with big data sets to try and, you know, come up with patterns and trends and information yeah. you actually use and stuff like that. So you're like on the you're like on the bleeding edge of everything right now. Like everything is going AI and machine learning and everything. And Alberta, as it turns out, kind of kicking ass in that front too. Well, I I hope so. <laughs> That's part of the plan. And everything's a little ch- right now. <laughs> just just change your entire like career path and just go. Yeah, we'll go data now. How do you? How does one? I have so much admiration for people who are able to jump any like from one job to the next. Let alone lawyer to data science is not exactly. I don't think a common thing or if it's ever been done ever before, you may be the first person in the world to do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm the first, I mean, there are definitely other, there's a lot of stuff now in the legal industry that involves data mining and data research and stuff like that and all kinds of different that makes sense. and stuff that are out there. So yeah. whether those are, I, whether those are programmed by the lawyers, I suspect not. I suspect there's a union between some lawyers saying, here's a business idea that would work that I think we could sell to lawyers of various different species. And then they go hire a programmer to go program the thing. Right. But, um, well, yeah, cause there's just so much information to comb through on a case by case situation or whatever. It's probably going to, it's so interesting cause everybody talks about how like computers are going to put a lot of people out of work and everything like that. And I, I truly am on the side of, I think AI is just going to create a whole new industry and it will ultimately uplift everybody in the end but in the short term it's like i mean it's probably gonna put like like things like cashiers out of work with things that you can like you can order your mcdonald's from the touchscreen now and all that sort of stuff in a very basic sort of ai sense but certainly like for doctors to be able to diagnose cancers uh, and be able to look at uh, mri scans and cat scans and things like that and then i never even thought about until literally this moment of what the power of ai could do combing through cases and and all the like uh, precedent law and all the books that all the lawyers have behind them you just like throw a, throw a robot at it and go like find me this or wh- like where was the situation with with this type of case 
a, a data could totally answer that question. Yeah, yeah, and it was just starting kind of as I was um, sort of slowing down that part of my practice. So, um, you know, there was a service called Blue Jay Legal where they would essentially, and it's, I mean, it's super case dependent as to how much of the stuff you can do and what level you can do it on. But I was, I did a lot of employment law and a lot of a particular type of case called a wrongful dismissal. Is that, yep. do you have any concept of any of that sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certain factors that predict like what a case will pay out. And these guys at Blue Jay Legal totally had come up with essentially a predictive program where you, you know, type in the 10 to 15 most salient factors of the case and it would say, here's what we think you'll make. Here's the range from high to low. And here's sort of the 15 cases that we think are most similar to your case that sort of predict where you'll be at. And they'd spit all that back out for you within, I mean, instantaneously, essentially. I mean, you had to pay for the service. Yeah. I mean, all you're doing is replacing essentially the time that would take some lawyer to sift through all those cases. And we had search tools and stuff too. And that was part of being a lawyer really at that point was, um, you know, sifting through all these search tools. But, but you're totally right. That's going to change the way all these things happen. Hopefully it changes it. I mean, my belief is that it will change it for the better for the clients, particularly like Mm -hmm. people actually need to use the legal system. Yeah. It'll be a lot for some lawyers to adapt to, um, that's the way it goes. <laughs> can can I ask why why the change? Like why the why the stop? Or was it was did you stop knowing that this is what you wanted to go into, or did you stop and then going like, oh crap, what next? Um, I would say this was one of the things that I was looking at doing, and then I got into the program and kind of got excited by it and stuff like that. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad I did. Uh, I definitely just felt that you know I I had done what I'd done for so long, and kind of reached a point where I either had to like double down mm-hmm. on what you're doing to get to the next level, like the next sort of thing that you want to do or sit in that space for however long and just do it and kill time till you're ready yeah. to retire. Yeah. So it's kind of, do you want to keep growing and learning and, and advancing and find different ways to help people and society and contribute to the world? Or do you just kind of want to sit there, you know, grind away, do what you do you start realizing how much time you put in up until that point and how much time you still got to go and you're like i think maybe shaking things up sounds a little bit more interesting than (laughs) same old same old for literally like more than a decade or two uh until you're ready to kind of like hang it up yeah and a little bit you find out it's kind of i mean as a lawyer you get a lot of skills that are transferable to lots of different things Mm -hmm. but not that many do you know what i mean you're kind of always just a lawyer yeah you're especially uh, i did mostly litigation not exclusively litigation but you know if you wanted to say well i'll go manage this enterprise people would look at you like i don't think you have any skills to do any of this stuff (laughs) like you know how to make an argument for a judge and write a brief but good luck with trying to manage you know 20 employees i mean i just look at the brain of a lawyer and and things like that and and a lot of the people within that sort of like that that height of like skilled work and go this person is adaptable like and and the work ethic as well is kind of what i wanted to ask you about next like where does the there's this combination of like altruism in terms of helping other people and helping the community and and also the work ethic of like you're busting your ass for hours and hours and hours weeks and years in school and then it just like carries on into the actual work like you and you also look also you if i can say it, you look very fit so you're you're probably like doing a marathon 
twice a week while, you know, working 90 hours a week and everything else and gotten the three kids and everything. You're like, you are obviously a time traveler is what I'm trying to say, Brent. Like you and engineers, you are, you've figured out a way to squeeze in 30 hours into a day um, and then just make the rest of us look silly and, and not teach us about your time traveling secrets. Well, I mean, you give up. I mean, the, the trick is that you give up lots of other things. I mean, when I was young and practicing, I, mean, I had my daughter when um, just right when I started. So, like, if I started articling in June of 2004, my daughter was born in October of 2004. Yeah. So, you know, we were, you're pretty lucky. I mean, you're compensated well. So, mm-hmm. you're fortunate enough that your wife does not have to also have a job outside the home. Yeah. Uh, you know, which isn't always a reality for a lot of people in other other lines of work. So, um, you know, I would work and come home late and, you know, you basically like toss two bites of food in your mouth and and uh, and kiss the kids goodnight. And then, yeah. you know, you yeah, you work out or play some video games or whatever you're going to do for the evening and then grind away at it again. And there are times when it's like even more so than that you know, mm-hmm. days and days at the office. But I mean, you try to balance it out as best you can with other things. Um, they always encourage you that sort of stuff, but there's, there's just the commercial realities, especially back when I was younger. I think it's different now a little bit in terms of the expectations and stuff, but you know, if you're not gonna, you know, the partners are expecting to make however much money that year (laughs) you got to contribute to that and then eventually you're on top of that pile and you kind of see the reality at the end of the thing is that really part like the the driving part of the conversation is just like billable hours essentially yeah i mean it's it's not just billable hours because ultimately you have to be able to bill those hours to the client and so if the the person is you know recording time that they're doing things for the client but the partner can't actually bill them to the client because they actually didn't do anything constructive or useful Mm -hmm. then um you know, that's going to be a pretty short path for that particular lawyer. Uh, Cause ultimately it's always what a person will pay for the services down the road. Um, but, Was it what you expected when you got into it? Like, I think, I think there's a, there's a glorified, certainly if you're like watching movies and TV and everything like that, there's a, there's a certain image that is the lawyer, but you know, um, I, I've known a couple of people getting into it and, and um, very, very close friend of mine, his dad was a lawyer as well. And I just wonder, I always wonder, is this what you thought it was going to be when you got into it? Yeah, I think from the business and office side of it, hard to say. Like, I didn't know any lawyers growing up. Like, yeah. had no clue what I was getting into in that, like, in terms of, like, what a person, like, a person who has a lawyer's life looks like. Why did you want to get into it if you didn't have any idea of, like, why did you get into it if you didn't know what it was going to be? Like, I always liked writing, thinking about ideas, arguing all that kind of stuff so that sure. was you know i took an economics and political science degree in undergrad mm-hmm. so you can go get a master's in that sort of stuff or you know i mean you're technically employable but and maybe back in 2001 in calgary almost <laughs> anyone with a heartbeat was yeah um but i mean what are you really gonna do you're just gonna be some low-level data entry or who knows what sure so you know if you really want to like actually find skills and jobs you go to law school and frankly even when i was in law school until i kind of graduated and the sort of fiscal realities of life started to come around you're like all right i guess i better go get a job and do yeah. what lawyers do um well that's I what I mean. like, it, it's very it's a very specific path like for me i sort of accidentally wound up 
working as a like professional fundraiser. And it's like, I thought I was going to be working at like Best Buy or Future Shop. Like I thought that I like my, my goal was retail and marketing in retail. And I sort of like fell into, um, into charity work, which I, I think a marketing or a business degree can allow you to do. But if you're into like nursing or dentistry or law, like you are, you are headed straight towards whatever is at the other end of that degree. And so I often wonder like what, like what is what is going through the mindset of like 17 18 year old Brent who's like I'm going to go on this path that leads directly to me becoming a lawyer. Like how do you how do you jump on that train that that roller coaster? Yeah, well, I certainly didn't decide till I was in for like I didn't decide for sure I wanted to go to law school until my third year of undergrad, right? Okay. So I mean, I went into undergrad it's like, well, you know, here are things that are you're interested in and, and everything else. So that was economics and political science, like all that kind of general public policy, um, kind of like I say way the world works type stuff. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. my view of things, but like, I think yeah. economics is kind of very much a, like why are things the way they are sort of study, um, yeah. science a little bit more of the same thing, but narrowly <laughs> Yeah. in terms of specifically how do people get elected and why do they get elected and how do governments function? But mm-hmm. anyways, you take all that stuff. And then as you, like I said, kind of about third year, I was like, well, do I want to, a, the one thing that I think really like probably at some point in my life, I would have thought about being like what I'll call a politician or a political person, mm-hmm. but my life, like in underground stuff like that, I was never, ever, going to do the things that the people who wanted to do those things were doing yeah like i just cannot like i was on the model un team with a guy who's now a a member of parliament yeah and and the way that they like like i know that you can't possibly conceivably actually believe the words that are coming out of your mouth 90 percent of the time when you say these things so i quickly realized that that was never going to be a thing that i was going to be able to do Mm -hmm. i just cannot sit and talk to so when you're doing lawyer stuff it's kind of the same i mean you you are advocating on behalf of a client. There's certainly, I would say, far more stringent ethical guidelines about what you can or cannot say as a lawyer than what you can or cannot say in certain other advocacy positions. Right, definitely. <laughs> um, so, you know, that sort of thing. But then, I mean, the thing too is there's like all kinds of different lawyer stuff. I mean, you can you can be like courtroom advocate type lawyer and do that kind of stuff. There's tons of guys who just, do business or tons of lawyers, these guys in the global sense, um, who do business stuff, right? They just draft papers and, and write up things and do wills and they'll never see inside of the court marks over the day they're called to the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's lots of different ways these things are used and, and um, different fits for different types of personalities in terms of how it goes. Yeah. Um, so you don't really know. Mm-hmm. So even when I was in undergrad i didn't per se decide until even in undergrad i did a or in law school i did like an international law moot so it's like a mock problem um so they give you like a problem like oh this country just invaded this country and there's going to be this trial over this genocide these guys did you have to argue God. this country <laughs> just a little light exercise yeah yeah it was totally <laughs> I, i'm sure the one i did was about uh, god i can't even remember it's terrible 15 years I already forgot, but mm-hmm. I believe there was like a, a, um, like a radio station DJ in the one country who had like incited all the people in the one country to go across the board in the other country and, um, commit genocide against all these other 
poor villagers. And then they, the other country after the genocide was over, like invaded the country and like captured this DJ and put him on trial with the international criminal court. Yeah. And that was like what the case was about was, you know, was, you know, was it genocide? Is this guy guilty for inciting genocide? Is, uh, was, is he trial because he was uh, captured under an illegal insertion by the other country? Stuff like that. Okay, so anyway. this is like kind of hardcore stuff that you're being forced to really digest and, and uh, they really get into. Most of us are, by the way, just like just carrying on with life or just like hap- like the problems that bother most of us are like <laughs> totally minuscule with the other th- compared to the things that you're kind of like diving into when you talk about this kind of stuff. So like does that change like your perspective on on life and the world of like raising kids into into a world like this? Like when you get to see and I shouldn't say get to, but when you have to take such a deep long look at like kind of the darkness that is in the world as well. Oh, I think that's true to a certain extent i don't yeah it's not all bad i mean but you certainly see i mean anyway i i was in a lot of lawsuits um over the years a lot of different actions and and Mm. lots of them are what i'll call like pure mistakes or or misunderstandings and stuff like that like literally the like it's the problem is as soon as like a dispute happens right this huge fog of war descends and mm-hmm. no communication is straightforward. No information is disclosed or passed on either side, except for in the like the compulsion of the law, because you don't want to give up any advantage, and because everything right. becomes really about negotiating position and settling. Essentially, I mean, yeah. Cases go to trial, but usually not. Frankly, ninety-five mm-hmm. plus percent of cases all settle. So, so you know, you really do get these things where, like, I've suffered some loss. I think it's that guy's fault. I don't know what happened over there, but I'm going to go get it from all these people because something bad happened. And so then all of a sudden they're like, this guy is just a greedy jerk. And really, I mean, the person did suffer some loss. And if you could probably all just sit down and and talk rationally about it, you'd probably find some way to work it out. That's got to be the most disappointing uh, (laughs) thing about all of it. It's just like how people kind of like devolve and descend into just this, this nastiness, this pettiness. And you're like, you you realize the, like really this is like this is a conversation like when you're so far removed from a problem right when you're living in it it's the worst thing in the world this person completely wronged you and they should burn in hell for everything that they did and if for somebody who's not even they don't even know the parties at hand you don't know anything about any of these people you're like this is basically a misunderstanding like you just said it was it's pretty simple and man that's a that that that's got to that's got to weigh on you a little bit it's got to change a perspective for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it does. I think certainly lawyers see things different ways than most people who are not lawyers. And yeah. particularly if you're, you know, if you're, you know, I'm an employment lawyer. So whenever I see like this oh, stuff yeah. happens in COVID, I see people's problems. I think, uh, you know, boy, that's a bit dodgy or, well, there's totally a claim you could have made there. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's just your natural, after so many years of, people asking you these questions right you Brent, just, that would be a great youtube channel you should totally you should start up your, your your new career you can drop all the data science stuff that's obviously going to be uh, not fruitful at all start up a youtube channel be the guy who just shows up to people at whatever costco or superstore or whatever it is they're working at and just go like throw them a post note go like you should sue you should sue. you have a claim you have a claim and then like follow them along and see what happens with it man just 
it's obviously a terrible idea but this is what happened this is how my brain works okay there's there's the <laughs> lawyer data science guy and then there's idiot who comes up with uh stupid youtube ideas uh on a whim yeah i mean i think that's basically judge judy isn't it isn't i think so well she's yeah, going away I mean, we need we need or, somebody to replace her yeah who's there is a new judge judy i don't know what is i think it's a guy but isn't there like a judge joe or something well, yeah there's judge joe brown he's new yeah yeah. yeah, that's uh, that that's that's gotta drive a like it's sort of like the Doctor Phil of like for doctors and like or psychologists and like he's not a real he's not a real doctor now especially he's, oh, yeah. he's making a name for himself these days that's for sure. Yeah. But what about your kids? Like, what do you want your kids? Do you have like? I don't want to use the word expectations mm. uh, unless you have them. But like, do you see like a path for for them in terms of like what what they're gonna where their adult lives lead them? Um, do you want them to be lawyers? Do you want them to not be lawyers? Um, if they, I mean, if they were lawyers, that would be fine. I would help and support them and show them all the experience that I went through and how to get through all that stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't really see it. I don't see it in my kids, but yeah. you never know. Um, and, and, you know, part of it is, is I'm, you know, one of the guys I practiced with was, you know, the law is the most beautiful, fruitful thing that any person could ever do. Like just, you know, the law is amazing and beautiful and every, like everyone should mm-hmm. be a lawyer. You should yeah. be a lawyer forever, and you're like, man, you do understand that there are other things in this world besides being a lawyer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, both his kids ended up being up lawyers. So, yeah. I mean, you never know. Uh, I guess maybe my kids will decide that, you know, you was pretty cool when you were a lawyer, and I want to go back. And who knows? I may end up back doing different law stuff. Maybe I'll be a lawyer for a tech firm, or God only yeah. knows what. But, um, so yeah, that would be fine. I I just don't see it especially not my daughter my oldest one i no i don't know doesn't doesn't feel like she's super bright totally smart enough to do it no problem there but i don't know that like her her argumentative temperament maybe she has it for me sometimes let me tell you Um, temperament the temper the the like the argumentative stubbornness like i don't know i don't know what like every conversation you have with people but when i was even her age and a little bit younger like if your my mom was like, listen, you need to eat your vegetables. It's like, well, how many vegetables exactly do I need to eat? And, <laughs> and what if it's like, you know, I didn't eat these vegetables yesterday, but today you see I need to. So how important was it yesterday? But now it's not today. You know? Oh, like, my God. I these, love it. You know, whatever it was, you know, everything had to be a debate. And, a, yeah, and there's an a technicality to be found like, everywhere. You know, there's some logical flaw to everything you're saying. And it's sometimes Sean, like talking to my daughter is like staring in the worst funhouse mirror of all time. Oh, like no kidding. so much karma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's super bright. She's not being too jerky about it, but you're like, listen, kid, I know all these tricks and I just mm-hmm. don't have time to deal with you. Right. Now. Oh, that <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, totally. And you can see them kind of like developing it and, and oh. just kind of like realizing that they're good at it. Like that's, that's so much of, I think growing up to begin with it's just like, doing all the things and you're like oh this one's sticking a little bit whether it's something that like a like a, a job or something or if it's just something that you enjoy doing you're like oh this is scratching some sort of weird itch i'm gonna keep doing this thing i'm getting the dopamine hit from arguing with my parents about my vegetable count that's hilarious yeah oh, this it has me excited but also terrified for like for lincoln growing up and everything and uh like they he already has like a a, a certain personality for sure but it's just it morphs all the time and i hadn't even thought of like basically when he has his own opinions that's when i'm going to be most um 
most afraid of him i think <laughs> is when he starts coming up with like these these uh i don't know what they, like what are they, they're based on like you don't even know what and they just kind of hit you up out of nowhere and uh ultimately it'll just be like well this is like me basically is this small little version of of me but mixed in with with chelsea as well so yeah it's super and you totally see parts that are you you totally see parts that are a little bit your parents you see parts that are a little bit your wife oh really and and it's and you're just i think your natural inclination is is you really pick out the parts that are the things you experienced as a kid because you experienced them like you you can remember it like i don't know what you i can remember certainly like fights i had with my parents or oh yeah things that happened or or ways we related to each other about different things and how our structures were you know fighting with you have a brother right Mm-hmm. I've, well, I look at my older brother and I think about Lincoln a lot. You say you see your parents. I see my older brother in Lincoln just for the fact that he's the oldest. Like he's mm-hmm. doing, he's he's testing boundaries. He's like, okay, are you really telling me to do this or not to not do this? Or can I disobey for just another like quick second kind of further yeah. along? And that's that's my older brother just pushing, testing the boundaries at every stage. And then he broke his arm when he jumped off a swing. So <laughs> still didn't really teach him anything, but that was... That only dummies sure. jump off swings and break things. Let me tell you. Right. Um, well, at least he only. But, I remember uh, the, the funny thing is, like the whole thing about it was like my first thought when he came in, bawling his eyes out, was that I thought he did something wrong and he got a like he got a whooping. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> like, what did he do? Like, it was my question, but like, re- like he really did something to himself. But yeah, that's was he was always trying to he was always trying to push it. And I feel like that's Lincoln, and maybe it's just like an oldest kid. Maybe that's just a firstborn kind of thing of just testing, but. I definitely see Lincoln with that. And unfortunately for Lincoln, I was trained um, raising dogs before him. So my instincts are now like <laughs> surrounded around like what I do with the dogs. And it's um, I got to I got to just pause every once in a while because I'm like, this is this is a little boy, <laughs> not a dog. Yeah. who will <laughs> only be yeah. around for a decade or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm the oldest of five kids. And so, I mean. I can remember like, you know, us getting into scratch, like, like all the normal, just kid wrestling stuff a little bit. And then sort of just the loud, like fighty nonsense. Cause you're just tired of this other person being in your space or whatever mm. is bugging you. And, and now it's like, my kids are doing that stuff. Yeah. And, and it's just like, my God, my parents were just saints and tears at the same time. Cause right. Like I can barely handle this stuff. And I remember when they would lose their marbles and we'd get a whooping and mm-hmm. um, it was never abusive, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better get in your room because I'm coming at you right now. And you're like, oh, right. And that's and, the thing. Uh, I feel like a lot of us kind of knew the difference between like a whooping and like an ass whooping, like a, an actual, like, like we definitely got spankings. My older brother taught us what not to do for sure. Like we, uh, my dad had, <laughs> this is terrible to even say, uh, he had these um, plastic sandals that he'd wear around the house because it's, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if it's a dad thing to do. But my God, those things, those things would leave a mark. And, uh, I got to see what that mark looked like. It was, it was something else. And you did not want to get, you didn't want, I guess maybe that is maybe abuse. Maybe <laughs> I'm not really, it wasn't like, it's not like it was uncalled for. I guess I'll give my dad a pass on that one. Was, yeah. Uh, and yeah. most of the time it just hit the wall. So it was either my older brother punching holes in the walls or, or sandals going through or whatever it was. But yeah, that's, uh, it doesn't seem to fly these days, Brent. I don't think. Yeah. No, I, we, I mean, we shouldn't. It's probably best they didn't. I, I like I said, I now being a parent, I have a hundred thousand percent more sympathy for my parents and what they were going through in terms of like they didn't want to do it, but they really didn't know what else to do. Yeah, uh, and you're there totally wasn't at your end. Yeah, the same amount of support 
probably in the way. And of course they went through the same thing with their parents, you know, mm-hmm. probably worse. Yeah, probably exactly. Beat by the teachers. Not even just, it's not even the parents you're having to worry about. You get oh, the, yeah. the meter stick just across the head. Yeah, stick you or whatever strap. Did you have the strap at school? We never had the strap. No, I must've just escaped the strap. Yeah. But I never just... got the strap, but I did see the strap a few times. Mm-hmm, like you just mm-hmm. pull it out just as a reminder. He pull it out of his desk. He'd set it on his desk and be like, "I don't want to have to see you back here, do I?" No, oh my sir. God, no <laughs> kidding. That's crazy. Can you imagine if your kids came home from school, like if school was happening right now, and they're like, "Yeah, the um, teacher gave me this strap," and they they show you the mark on your hand. Like, I would be so enraged. Like the teacher's gonna get the strap across, the, but also like I can't beat up the teacher. Like that's assault. <laughs> like what? Do you, what a weird. You, like when you start to break down these moments in not even that long a history, it's just like what a what a weird space that we live in on this rock hurtling around the sun, and like it's just absolutely nuts. And it changes all the time too, which is also a little bit a little bit crazy. But well, yeah, look at the changes uh, we're going through now. I mean, that's, that's hopefully we all get to like hopefully they even get to go back to school. You know. Well, I mean, there will be school, but what will like? What, I, I, even, I don't know what it'll ever be the same. Like, I don't. Yeah. How much more? Like, how are they going to deal with class sizes and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, social distancing. Are they all going to have to do tests and stuff? I mean, like, anti-vaxxers are going to be probably dust, right? I mean, what? What? Yeah. What are they? What are they? School. What? What is their camp these days? Yeah. What are they? What are they saying right now? Well, that Jason Steffen guy. The one whose son died when he gave him honey for his mumps, he was all calling it a hoax. No got, way. Got in the paper, the Herald. Oh, I didn't see that. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh, dude. Everyone was like, why are you covering this wall? Yahoo. Like, he's going to kill people. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, so, I hope and pray for, for a resolution that we can hopefully just kind of like, I think that's kind of the expectation, too, is that like, that we're coming to a close on this. Like we've kind of put in our time and that hopefully we'll, we'll turn a corner and everything will be all right. And it's like, that's, I don't know if it's necessarily a given, which is kind of a downer thought, but yeah, yeah. like I said, I mean, there'll be some new normal and, and all the things that we want to do, we'll do, but, but the levels of precautions and safety and all kinds of other stuff will be, it's like different. airports after 9-11, right? Like airports totally. changed forever after 9-11. Totally, right? And I mean, mm-hmm. how many years did it go before, you know, one dude tried to blow up his foot and how many years did we have to take our shoes off in an airport mm-hmm. before they realized You still kind of do. You still kind of wonder. You almost do it automatically. Like, oh, they may or may not. I might as well just give my air, my feet a breather here. Oh, yeah. Do you ever wear a belt to the airport anymore? I do, and I don't know why. And I oh. so my thing about airports is why? How many consoles do I need to bring? Like this was, I, I remember we went to went to Mexico one time. Like it's so stupid, right? And also, if I'm traveling with like a work colleague, I'm like, okay, who's coming with me? And like, how much do I really want to be busting out my Xbox out of my backpack as I go through security? Like, how badly do I need to be playing this thing? And or will a switch just suffice for this one? That's where that's where my brain is at most of the time, Brent. Like, I'm, oh, I, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm like ninety five percent with you, except for the differences. Is I don't I haven't done too much business travel with my colleagues, like except for like we used to do some firm retreats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I was literally about to get on a plane like the day before all this went down. Like the basically the day that they closed down the schools. I was supposed to be on the flight to go to Atlanta 
and uh, to go for some training. And we were literally, we were checked in on the flight and, um, and my colleague was like, I don't know. She's just like, she was ready to, she wanted to sit next to each other and like talk the whole time. And I'm like, I love traveling solo. I love playing games when I'm not in the conference or whatever I'm at. Like I love like setting up and everything. And I was literally thinking about how I need to figure out what am I bringing my Xbox or is that really necessary? I have so much respect for you packing an Xbox on a trip. That's amazing. Oh, I always did it because it was, it was, it was like mind blowing to me. I went to, um, good friend's wedding. He got married in, in Mexico years and years ago. And somebody brought, um, somebody brought a PlayStation with them. And I'm like, how have I never thought to bring a console with me to a hotel room, which has a TV? It has like the plugins and everything. This is not rocket science, but the first time you realize that this is an option in life, like I'm an adult, I can do what I want. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I've always brought, I've always brought, um, ever since a console with me. Like you upgrade from like the Game Gear and the Game Boy that you had as a kid. You're like, screw that! I'm bringing my whole damn console with me. They su- they'll supply the TV, and I just got to sneak in the back and figure out what what little cable box they've got plugged in there that's making my my Xbox not work. But thank God there's Google for all of that. It's, they've got every if you're if you're just just as a tip if you ever do go travel. And you want to bring a console with you. And the TV is giving you some issues. You plug in. You're like, this isn't working like it should. The, the remote's not working or whatever. Google has every single like hotel setup oh, yeah. to work around, man. Like anything you can think of, somebody's figured out how to get around it. Like you unplug this thing. You plug in that thing. It's amazing. And, you know, we we, um, we we drove from here to Quebec City in 2017. Um, That's we, a drive, dude. Holy crap. Yeah. All all. F- Five of us in the minivan. How did you? Um, why? Just wanted to see Just Canada. To do I've done it twice as a kid. I did it once when I was like twelve with my uncle, and then once when I was like fourteen with my family. All mm-hmm. six of us, I guess. At that I've point, I've always wanted to do that. That's incredible. You know, it it is, it is great. I, you really don't get an appreciation for how big this country is, how mm-hmm. different like the geography is. I mean the the change. When you cross the Manitoba Ontario border is almost literally like at the line, and it goes from Prairie to uh, Canadian Shield, and yeah. in like twenty kilometers, and it goes from being every road is four lanes straight as an arrow. You can see everything for hundred miles around you, mm-hmm. to everything is a two line, ninety kilometer an hour, twisty, bumpy, like impossible Just to drive and without focusing 100% on what you're doing yeah well rock and tree and just mm-hmm. everything and like they blast like through boulders to put the roads in and there's just like giant hunks of granite are surrounding you for no for like from the ontario manitoba border to kind of surrey is about where you get out of that to go mm-hmm. south towards the rest it's like 1200 kilometers that's bonkers man i thought yeah. like like we used to, we used to drive all the time from Alberta to like from Edmonton to Kelowna. Um, yep. my, my, my mom's sister and her husband had an orchard out there, which was like, you don't realize how special that is until you grow up and realize that not everybody's uncle has an orchard in Kelowna. Like that's absolutely <laughs> spectacular. And we would go all the time. So you do this drive, which was, you know, 10 hours if you're, you're 12 hours straight, but we were kids and we need to stop all the time. And you drive through these, these, these points through the mountains and you're looking at literally like the side of the mountain 
And it occurs to you much later, or at least it did for me, like much later in life, that they had to blow – like the road didn't exist here. They weren't able to – they didn't just pave where the clear path existed. They had to go, well, let's explode this part of the mountain with whatever dynamite or whatever explosive it was. And that's how the roads happened. Like the the forethought and the way that the actual execution of it, you just don't – we can barely get – you know, like a like a train system running up here. We can't even like <laughs> construct proper roads and freeways. Uh, Meanwhile, they're they're doing these these highways across. To your point, like the geography change from is like it's actually like different countries when you go from sometimes from province to province. And it was very pronounced for me when we went to um, I went to Nova Scotia for a while and kind of hung out in the Maritimes for a little bit. And I was like, this is like a different country. Like the the pacing, the like the air is different. Everything about that is different. And I got a sense of just how expansive Canada was when they've, they've got one of those like signs on the edge of the, the coast. And it's like, Portugal is over that way. And it's whatever it was, I think 3000 kilometers that way. And Vancouver's that way. And it's 3,700 kilometers or 4,000 kilometers that way. And I'm like, we're, li- we're closer to Portugal right now. Like that's how far I've traveled to go to come hang out in, in, in Nova Scotia. It's, I love it over there. That's my retirement plan. Cause you can oh, yeah? sell all Alberta land and everything here. And then we'll just go like, it's cause it's like a different currency to the point of it being a different country. It's like things are worth different dollar, different amounts of money over there. You like get the Mahone Bay retirement plan going. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love, we, we, that was where Lindy and I honeymooned was actually all through the Maritimes. We flew into Halifax and this is the honeymoon. Like I got married in 2001. We honeymooned in 2004 when I graduated law school due to mm-hmm. lack of fund and time. But um, yeah, we flew to Halifax, drove to Picto, drove all through Cape Breton. Oh yeah, stayed in uh, the Broadoor Lakes, went to the Highland Heights Museum. I mean, mm-hmm. the Maritimes. Yeah, you're right; it's a totally different world. Then we uh, took the Wood Island Ferry. Shout out Greg Stewart uh, to PEI. <laughs> stayed in PEI. Yeah, and, and we, this was like the I end the of May, trip. early June, and so it was like nothing was open yet. Yeah, like so, like so whale quiet. sightings and everything. Like nothing's happening. Like tourist season really hasn't started yet. Yeah, yeah I, I, I went about the the exact same time. It was May long weekend when I went in between jobs. I had I had stopped there. my uh, my marketing job, went into 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 charity work, and I I gave three weeks until I could start because two weeks notice, and then I took a week off and I visited the Maritimes. And awesome. Honestly, everybody should do that. It it's so it's so great. The pace of life and everything is just so it's a sight to see too. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's it is different, especially if you're from Alberta and the prairies. Just the that maritime lifestyle is so different. Did you do it's like nice. did you do a lobster? Uh, oh yeah, first night lobster dinner. Yep. Mm-hmm. First night, my uh, the, the person who was hosting me was just like, yeah, she's like two lobsters right there. Like that was that was my welcome was 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 lobster dinner it was just perfect and you know we probably went across pei three or four times because it's it's so small and we just drove like everywhere well i remember coming off the wood island ferry we're driving across to we're staying somewhere between charlottetown and and uh the place where the green gables is set up but anyway we're we're driving to our, our hotel there and uh my wife like gets the map that we picked up on the ferry out and she looks at it she's okay you should be passing whatever this town's name is like in soon i'm like uh, i already passed that town she's yeah that like, was oh. way long. <laughs> it's like oh what about this one i already passed that one too she's like mm-hmm. that's like half the map i'm like that was 20 kilometers <laughs> seriously it's it's to the point where like we were we were trying to catch the ferry back to um 
I, I guess it goes. Does it go? I can't remember. Does it go back to Nova Scotia? Or does it go into New Brunswick? Because you cross the bridge. We we did the bridge eventually. Yeah, the, the bridge um, goes into New Brunswick, but I just thought the only ferry was the one back to Nova Scotia. So we were trying to catch the ferry. We miss it by like we we see it go off. We're just seeing it just just depart. We're like, well, do we sit here and wait for the next ferry, or is it actually shorter to drive back? And it was actually shorter to just drive all the way across to the the other side of PEI where the bridge is into New Brunswick and everything. And yeah. it was just like, I think everybody should have like an incredible road trip like that. Like I, I feel like growing up and, and, and all the travels that I've been able to do, I feel very fortunate that I've had some experiences that I, I wish for so many people go, go have a big long road trip because it's awesome to just drive, especially when it's very, um, it's just like the sight of seeing the edge of what looks like the edge of the world. Like when you're at the when you're at the coast like that and it's just like it's just this hill and this cliff and then ocean and you know there's no land until you hit Portugal or Spain or England on the other side of this thing. Like yeah. that's just kind of that's an that's a that's an experience that just makes you feel real tiny and gives you a nice nice load of perspective at a certain time in your life. Yeah. And um travel alone, I think go to movies alone or they, these are this is the 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 set of advice that I will basically be writing for the kids like these are the things i would love for them to experience go yeah, walk think, around a strange city somewhere go walk around new york just because oh yeah, yeah we've, we've tried to instill our kids and we did our trip to 2017 we you know you we tried to find places that were downtowny, mm-hmm. and then we just would mostly park the car and then walk everywhere yeah our, our kids were starting to complain but i think it was good for them but like you'd walk all over all over downtown montreal all over downtown quebec city all over downtown toronto all over Ottawa, kilometers and kilometers. You really get a sense a little bit, I think way more than if you just, you know, fly in, take a cab to the hotel, take a cab to whatever place you're going to next of what like a city is built and how it kind of developed and how it works and stuff like that. You just don't Mm -hmm. get that if you're just scooting to the next thing without walking around, checking stuff out. Well, and especially on the East Coast too, like the further west you come, like things are a little bit more planned out, a little bit more modern, and certainly things kind of change. You kind of there hasn't really been such a the preservation of of the history. But when you're like I was in Boston for for literally like a, just a day, uh, friends of mine where I was hanging out with them, or I happened to be in New York at the same time as them, uh, and they're like we're we're going to um, the Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs game. Uh, tomorrow they were there for like a football trip they were going to see a whole bunch of stuff and they're like we got an extra ticket for this hockey game and i was supposed to leave shortly after that hockey game but i had just enough time to go away from new york trap um catch a train um be in boston for the full day walk around kind of discover that whole city then my friends um landed in their kind of pre-planned trip went to the hockey game i had to leave in the second period to go back to new york pack my bags catch my plane and then come back home but it's like that sort of spontaneity was like incredible. And the point of this rambling is that I got to discover in both trips, um, like the, the origins of New York city and the masterful design of that city and the subway and everything like that of like, these are hundred year old subway lines in some cases. And you can, when you walk around Boston, you can just see it start. It, it's such a, it's, and it's completely opposite of New York, the grid versus the more, kind of circular and concentric circles, I think, of um, yep. of, of yep. Boston. And I feel like that's kind of the same when you go to, I haven't been to um, Montreal or Quebec City, but I get it, I get that same sense that yep. there's this this old, almost like horse-drawn carriage type of design to it, uh, or even just that it was designed to be walked around because you didn't have the cars. Yeah, for sure. Like if, if you've never been to Quebec City, 
highly, highly recommend. I mean, it is a little bit after having been there a few times, it's a little bit like Canadian history, Disneyland. Um, yeah. In terms of how it's been preserved a little bit, but at the same time, what do you mean by that? Like too, like too much, like or glamorized or well, like you kind of, you kind of go there, especially the, like the old fortress, old town part has been preserved to like be in this like very authentic sort of 18th century, 17th century style of housing and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And so you go there and you do all that, but then, you know, you go and if you're in the place for like more than a couple of days, you see, you know, the same tour guide explaining, you know, here is where Wolf fought Montcalm right. like the 15th time in a row. And so it's kind of like, okay, it's all like, yeah, this is where these things happened, but it's all been a little bit glossed over to kind of sure. make it a little more exciting for everybody sell it you know what i mean so yeah i mean i mean it's it's pretty real like you can literally walk out the plains of abraham from like the city walls where that dummy montcom came out and lost a wolf um and where they both got shot you can see all that stuff and it's you know it's changed obviously in 200 years or whatever it's been since the battle of the plains of abraham but like Mm -hmm. that was the spot and then you can go to um I think it's called the Musée de la Civilisation at the at the bottom of the hill in Quebec City. And there is a newspaper in there from maybe like two or three years after the English took over after the Treaty of Paris. Come on. And um, it's an English merchant writing in both English and French about how, you know, these are our new neighbors. These are the people that we are going to live and build a country with. And we need to respect their rights and their um, cultural you know, heritage and how they live their lives and, and work with them to set this up as a country that works for both the English and the French and is prosperous and we're living together for the betterment of everyone. Like it's like, like you're right there where it all happened. No kidding. That's actually, that kind of gives me chills. But at the same time, I'm almost, maybe I've been t- talking to you too long tonight where I'm like, but what about the people who are writing the other side of that story who are real pissed that yeah. those guys showed up and everything? Like this was obviously the, the part that we want to remember and share and it's a beautiful sentiment, but I don't think everybody was. Well, I'm sure that's true, but I think there feels like still to me, notwithstanding everything that's gone on in this world and however long, that the good guys kind of won that one, at least here. Yeah. Yeah, holy cow, man. So then, like, why stay in, or, like, wh- like, were you always from Okotoks? Like, small yeah, town versus yeah. visiting these these big cities and everything. Like, it's uh, it's got to be, does it, is there a pull at all, or is it, like, good place to visit, I'm good in Okotoks? Ah, uh, you know, that is the constant quandary, Sean. So I, I, <laughs> I went to law school in Vancouver, mm-hmm. but then when I graduated law school in 2004, um... Like Calgary was bananas. Like yeah. I, I I tried to explain to like people who were a little bit younger than me or about my age who because I went straight through. Like I did high school, undergrad, law school, out at twenty four, right into practice. I guess they're twenty five. Um and so like lots of people took like time off, would come out and they'd be in their thirties, but they would be, you know, three, four years behind where I was. And and you, they were like they had all this student debt load. And houses were like crazy expensive and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, I graduated law school. I had student debt of $5,000. Yeah. I had this letter from car- my firm saying that I had been, you know, hired as an articling student. I went and bought a car on credit. Yeah. I got like pre approved for a mortgage, went to a house builder who like sold me a house 
that they were going to build for me in six months. And all I needed was like a thousand dollars deposit. And then I could That's save up crazy. the rest of the down payment for the next six months while they were building the house. Mm-hmm. And because you're good for it, I had no like expenses or anything. We, God bless my wife's parents. We lived in their basement until the house was ready six months later. Um, you know, it was easy to save the rest of the down payment. You need 10,000 bucks or something. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and so we bought this house. It was like $176,000 for like a fully separated house <laughs> on like a 28 foot wide lot. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't even buy a, a condo for that now. Seriously. And I remember we went back in to pick out colors like a week later for siding or something. And the sales like, Whoa, that's all you guys paid for this house. I think we just raised the price $5,000. And yeah. I think they raised the price of the house five thousand dollars every week until we moved in, and I think it kept mm-hmm. going up five thousand dollars until I don't know. We sold that place and moved to another place. We've never quite made out like bandits like that on real estate since. But I mean, whatever. We we bought that place at one hundred seventy six thousand. We probably sold it for like three fifty or three eighty or that's crazy. something like that in two thousand and eight or nine. <laughs> yeah, and then we we have moved into a place in Sundance, and then. So we were living in South Carolina. We live in Cranston. That's where we bought our new place. And we moved to a place in Sundance because we needed uh, it, the transit to downtown situation was getting to be a bit cumbersome, mm-hmm. um, especially when we had our second kid. Um, but then uh, so we moved to Sundance and I could walk past the future shop <laughs> across, nice. across to the transit station from Sundance. So that was good. And then actually in, I think, 2012, I want to say – um, my parents wanted to build a house on an acreage out where my my dad got some land from my grandparents, from his dad. And so we actually bought their house in Okotoks. So we lived mm-hmm. in the city for uh, there it is. those eight years, and now we live back in Okotoks. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, you're like, settled. I think you guys, like my my parents live just like two minutes west of Okotoks, like not even. Yeah. Um, Lindy's parents live in Okotoks. Her two sisters mm-hmm. live in Okotoks. My next two oldest brothers live in Okotoks. That's and, sweet though, man. That's, that's really nice. Well, and that's the whole gig, right? And that's why I say that's the whole push pull. Like would I live in another place where there were different opportunities and experiences and things that we could do? Sure. But I can travel and do those things. And see. I've always thought that. Well, not always, but I, I, after my first trip to New York, that was my realization was I had this like infatuation with the city. Like I love like everything, every part of entertainment. I love like the New York version of it. I love Letterman. I love Seinfeld. I love all the things that were like out of New York. And I'm like, oh, who wouldn't want to live here? And I spent about a week there and I'm like, that was good to visit. It was expensive as hell. I don't understand how people actually make it work. I think Vancouver is very similar and Toronto to, to a certain degree as well. And like when you live in a place like Alberta and it's to varying degrees across the province, but it's a great place to live. It's a great place to like, make your money and, and do your thing. And you can go to, you can go anywhere else. You know, and there's so many different types of industries for people to get into here, even though predominantly a lot of people think about like oil and gas, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of jobs here, which is really kind of makes life a little bit easier. But I mean, now is obviously a little different. Just every half the half of people are losing their jobs. Yeah. Right now. yeah. The world of Alberta is a little different since, well, a little different since 2014, a lot different in the last mm-hmm. six months. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, how do you replace family and all those supports and and all those things that you, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be there for my brothers. They all got kids now, and they need help 
babysitting or watching kids for 10 minutes or, or whatever. And you get to get together every year for Thanksgiving. We've never had to do the too much of the like, well, we can't go to your folks this year for Thanksgiving because we're going to my folks and they live eight hours away and no doubt same at Christmas. And you know, it's, it's, it's a trade off, but you know, you, it's one. No, it sounds nice. You make work and you, you know, I love my family. I love, it really sounds nice. I mean, you guys I do, are about the same way. Both you and Chelsea, don't you guys all have family close? And well, Chelsea, Chelsea's a little bit different. Her mom oh. is very close. Uh, she's ten. Her mom's ten minutes away, but she may as well be like a, a billion miles away at this point, just with everything going on. But her favorite aunt still lives in Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. so that's why, like, every once in a while, we'll go back over to um, to Regina and everything like that. So uh, we get that's about as as far east as we'll drive. Is basically a trip out to um, through the Battlefords and through uh, Saskatoon and everything like that, but um, but yeah, her my family is kind of kind of has been all over. My brothers have traveled all over the place. Uh, my younger brother lived in Calgary for a couple of years. My older brother uh, lives in Vancouver, um, but that might not be forever. So yeah, it might finally after many many years, we may actually be kind of settling into into the same spot after. Uh, after a long time. And I joke about retiring in, in Nova Scotia as much as that would be amazing. I'm like, well, Lincoln's going to be, he's going to be grown up and he's going to be settling into whatever he's getting into. So kind of depends on, on that. Like, I just yep. can't imagine unless he's a real shithead, then, then like I'm out of here. If that's the case, like if we, if we miss something along the way, <laughs> just like, you never know. So let this be the immortalized, like, time capsule of if if you find out later in like 20 years that i i abandoned alberta and we're out in nova scotia it's because lincoln is some sort of screw up and we just have to leave we just, <laughs> we just <gotta laughs> have take to leave. Off. yeah right mm-hmm. you know and you know it's funny you say that and you know knock on wood and god bless everything but i will say one of the, the things like even as a business lawyer that made things challenges and made disputes was family stuff right because mm-hmm. Because it's it's not commercial, mm-hmm. um, so it it's always about four thousand other issues and nothing to do with whatever they're suing each other about. Big time. And then and then the other <laughs> thing is because it was family, no one ever documented anything, right? Yeah, so when you have course. like two business people, like maybe they're the best of partners, best of friends, whatever, but at least usually they're sophisticated enough to no 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 let's at least put it down in writing, and then at least that mm-hmm. tends to resolve things faster. But, At the very least, email threads or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and and I mean, but like family stuff, it's like we don't need to worry about that. We'll all sort it out. It's one together, one for all. Yeah, until you know, it's you know, the husband passed away, and now it's the step wife, right? The mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's your sister in law that you're fighting with, and not your brother over the business. And it's like, God, what a nightmare. So it's sad. It's sad how predictable that is too. Oh, and, because and again, it's like your world. Yeah. And so hopefully okay, you know, so nothing like that ever happens. Tell me something uplifting as we start to maybe close things out here. Like what is, what is something that um, – like I know things are things are crappy right now, but what's something that like you're, you're looking forward to? Um, like something that may be a video game or something, some movie or something that, that is happening in life that, that you're kind of like eyeing going, yes, please bring it on. Uh, video game. Uh, you know what? I, I've never played The Witcher 3. I've downloaded it on Game Pass. Do you ever play The Witcher? Which is- I I keep trying to start it, man, and I have a huge appreciation for it. So I I get excited in the way of like I want to live vicariously through you. Like I will I will play it through your eyes, and you have to tell me how you like it. 
that one I'm in for. And then the next one is I asked my son what he wanted for his birthday. And I'm not trying to trigger you here, Sean, but he said he wanted Animal Crossing New Horizons, <laughs> which we have not yet played. I am also with you. I am one of the, like, the gamer, like, I don't know what these stupid turnip things are that people keep posting. I scroll, scroll, scroll through my feed. It's intimidating, thing. man. So, I don't know how to handle it. And I've it's, never it's, played an Animal Crossing game. Like, never. See, and I like it. Like, I, I like Animal Crossing. I just, at this one, I don't know. And I love that this has become part of, like, my own, like, my persona in a way of, like, people are like, Ooh, I don't know if yeah, I can bring up, like, fun. Animal Crossing to Sean right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so anyway, he wants to get Animal Crossing, so I may have to learn to play Animal Crossing, and hopefully that'll Do be it, man. good, and not frustrating. I I share the um trepidation, I guess, that you express about. The Just let me know how island. it is when when your re- the rest of your family wants to play, and you're like, well, you got to be on my island because we only have one of these games, we only have one Switch or whatever it is, whatever stupid rule that everybody seems to be okay with except for me, but. I can't deal with it. And Chelsea won't even let me on her island. She probably hear me talking about her on the other side of this door. <laughs> <she'll>, <laughs> she's like, I don't want you messed up with my trees, or I don't even know what she's worried about. I'm like, well, she's got a house, and you're not even playing it. Oh, I, oh yeah. Like, we have a copy Chelsea in the house. Now. Yeah. Like, she, she was one who introduced me to, 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 um, to New Leaf on the 3DS. Yeah. Like, and, and she was like, when she got that limited edition 3DS with a pattern on it and everything, and like, this was my first introduction of how nuts people are for this game and yeah we have a copy in the house i don't want to buy a second one that's the thing i'm trying to get clear to people is that we have one and i can't play it it's infuriating (laughs) and i'm giggling just to deal with this is a coping laugh rather than actually (laughs) a funny situation it's not funny at all it's ridiculous it doesn't have a second save file i feel better thanks brent good okay okay this has been fun, man. Thanks so much for hitting me up and and supporting the show and wanting to be on it, man. It's good that we could finally. You got your Oilers colors on. I don't know if you realize that. Oh, jeez, that, that was a mistake for sure. I think it's not video. God, my brother-in-law mm-hmm. Davey would never let me live it down because I am not mm-hmm. an Oilers fan. Sorry. I know you're not. I definitely know that. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, do you want people to find you on the internet? I know a lot of people come on with their own podcasts and stuff. But, yeah, like, no, this you, is... if you're if you have questions or you want to chat about stuff you can go to okotoks lawyer on twitter that's o-k-o-t-o-k-s lawyer you can actually we'll talk about the big rock and the number of things that you're doing okotoks we can talk about lacrosse too that's the other thing i do i'm like the minor lacrosse president so i love if you always want to talk about lacrosse you can always hit me up for that too I think lacrosse is that is a is an admirable sport. I, I think lacrosse and rugby are having huge like surges surges right now. People are really getting into it right now, and lacrosse is a badass sport. That game, that sport is awesome. I think there should be a good there. There are lacrosse video games, are there not? Uh, there was. There's Casey Powell lacrosse. I you know what I looked it up when the COVID started, and it was like seventy bucks or something. Oh, ridiculous. is it really? <laughs> I was Come like, on, get no a freaking way. No kidding. So. Do you ever go to – okay, so this is supposed to be the end of the show, but like, do you ever go to like a professional like lacrosse game? Oh, like, dude, I've got Calgary? season tickets for the Roughnecks. Uh, the Roughnecks, I, that's what I've only is, yeah. missed probably like two home games in, <laughs> in the last 15 years. The first, the first Roughnecks game I ever went to was 2004. They won the championship. This is the same year that the Flames went to the Cup against Tampa. Calgary oh, yeah. was on fire. That place mm-hmm. had 19,000 people in it with thunder sticks. It's the best experience I ever went to. If you ever get a chance, go to a – pro lacrosse game i know that the rush moved i'm in saskatoon which is also amazing mm-hmm. by the way i've been to two games in saskatoon one of the best yeah. pro sports experiences of my whole life but um yeah lacrosse is great 
Oh, no. Kidding, so that is man. also oh. something I'm looking forward to is lacrosse back. Let me tell you. I brought it up and then I realized how much I had missed going to lacrosse game with the, the, the we won the championship and then they're like, we're out of here. Yeah, I yeah, know. That, that's about right. That's too bit bad. Of bad timing. Yeah. Anyways, man, thank you so much for coming on tonight. This has been awesome. Thank you, Sean. That was great. A lot of fun. nothing else on a monday night i can fire up skype and i can have a chat with a uh, with a stranger who is is like a friend and that's exactly what tonight's chat exactly was man there we went all over the place we went all over canada hopefully you guys are able to follow along <laughs> i love that chat man thank you brent oh my gosh thank you for everything thank you for your your kindness and for your generosity and for your chat tonight i really appreciate you man thanks for taking the time um and thanks for just like kind of expanding my mind a little bit to what is possible in life if you just just go for something new, go try something. And uh, I'm, I'm, I was very inspired, man. I'm often very taken aback by people who are able to just completely leave <laughs> one area, one direction and just choose something else. And you're doing it, man. I'm so proud of you. I'm so impressed. Uh, I can't wait to, to find out how that journey goes for you as we as we continue on this journey of life. If you guys liked this episode and if, you, if you're if you new, I, I really appreciate you guys jumping on board. And if you like it and you want to support it, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Capri. You can follow the show at WeTheGamerCast. Um, you can share the tweet. You can retweet it. I really appreciate that. Um, last week we had a lot of you guys sharing it, and I really appreciate it. You can rate the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, but Apple seems to be kind of like a big deal. And um, we're at 30-something 30 ratings. I'm checking, and I'd love to get a couple more. So I'd love to read your review here on the podcast. So go ahead. Take a moment. Next time you're pooping, just just go fire up the app or whatever. Just bring your laptop in if you want to write a bit of a letter because uh, it's easier to do that on a laptop. And it's okay to do it in a – we're all in quarantine. We're all keeping our germs away from each other. So just bring the laptop on the, tw- on the lap, on the bare lap while you're taking a poop. And, and rate the show on iTunes and, and Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Also, everybody poops. It's okay, you guys. It's fine to talk about. You can follow me. Actually, right now, I was going to say do the Twitch thing, but I'm taking a break on Twitch, so don't worry about that. But um, if you really like the show and you like the Xbox Drive and you like a cup of Joe and Nintendo and everything else, um, you can go to patreon.com slash Capri. You get early access to this show. Patrons get the show on Fridays. Free feeds on Mondays. You get the, the solo Q&A show, Pants Podcast, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I want to thank highly intelligent Jared Gauthier for the artwork. And otherwise, I'm going to be back next week with a new We The Gamer cast. I hope you'll be there too. And now it's time for my boy, your boy, somebody's boy. Where is his boy? Jason. Where the hell is he? Jason, I lost Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!
Jason! 